Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of You've Gotta See This, your guide to what's playing now and diving board into the deep end of all things movies. I'm your host Brad, joined by my co-host Blake. Blake, how was this week at the movies for you? Weird. It was very weird. This is this is the just in what was playing in theaters was weird. Yeah, what and happened in the world of movies was weird. Tons of weird movie news. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's fucking get into it. So some uh some of the major news stories that happened this past week. Uh, let's start with the cool things that happened, and then we'll yeah. venture into the weird. The coolest thing, in my opinion, was that uh, Aziz Ansari's directorial debut or film directorial debut was announced. And uh, he wrote a script for it. It's based on a nonfiction book that apparently has something to do with medicine. I don't know how that's going to play into this movie, but it was also announced that Seth Rogen and Bill Murray will be starring alongside him in this movie. I mean, what a cast. That is a team-up if there's ever been a comedic team-up. Um, I'm glad to see that that Seth Rogen is is still wanting to do comedy as well as drama because he's been kind of doing more dramatic stuff in more recent years. Yeah. And he's been killing it at it, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, Bill Murray, too, for the last several years. Oh, yeah. Since he's done a straight-up comedy. And, like, not that this is going to be a straight-up comedy. I don't think it will be. It, yeah, if you've seen Master of None on Netflix, which is a great show, it's uh, there are very funny moments and funny episodes, even, but for the most part, it's just real. Like, Aziz Ansari has this amazing visual and mm-hmm. dialogue uh, directing style and writing style that just feels real. Like, it feels like you're just watching people live their lives. And it doesn't feel like a production. There's a real authenticity to, to everything yeah. that he that he does. Even, I mean, even in his stand-up, it's like, it's mm-hmm. he he's one of the most personal comedians that, that that's out there. Um, so I'm really excited to see how he does as a film director. We already know that he can direct with episodes of Master of None, uh, but it'll be cool to see him in the in the long form medium. So another piece of news that happened this week, which is very very rare, we got a major major motion picture got an NC-17 rating. Uh, there is a Marilyn Monroe biopic coming out on Netflix later this year, starring Ana de Armas. Um, which I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's amazing. I think that this is very interesting casting for the role of Marilyn Monroe, um, especially considering that they don't look anything alike, in, and, my, in my opinion. And Ana de Armas has a very strong accent. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, Marilyn Monroe did not. I'm interested to see how they approach that. And and maybe she, maybe she won't. Maybe she found some way to sound like Marilyn Monroe. Who knows? Uh, but it seems like this is going to be a very, very strange movie based on the director's comments, which yeah. were kind of creepy about the NC-17 Creepy and kind of like edgelordy almost, yeah. where it's like, oh, his, like the quote was like, we got Ana de Armas playing Marilyn Monroe and I'm not going to make it NC-17. It's what yeah. you want to see, right? Ugh. It's like, uh, wait a minute, what? Like if I'm is Ana that... de Armas, I read that quote and I'm like, maybe I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, I doubt she signed on to the movie thinking, Oh, I'm signing on to this role to be eye candy. She probably yeah. saw this very complex character that is Marilyn Monroe yeah. and said, this will be a challenging role for me. So to have the director on the press tour before the movie go out basically just say, oh yeah, I've got this really hot actress in my movie. And that's what he's basing his marketing campaign on, I guess. Like, that's just insulting. She's she, Yeah, she's absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous, but... She is also incredibly talented too. Yeah, she's, she's an like, amazing actress and totally different in every role that she's yeah. in too. Like, just she has range. Uh, it's it's very to me. It's belittling of of her, and I hope that her performance in this overshadows 
yeah. his comments. I, I hope that the movie's better than the director's like intention, maybe because yeah. like, sometimes the directors don't really even understand the movie that they make, and I'm hoping that that's like maybe one of these situations. Yeah. Or he's just saying that to try to get more attention. I don't know. Actually, now that I'm saying that, that's not even better. Like that's no. still just like a weird like. Like that's not really cool. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's it's a weird weird take on it. Um, but I guess we'll see how the movie plays out, and uh, we'll let it speak for itself. Yeah, I do want to say if you're on Twitter anywhere on the internet, and you see a story related to like a a, a tweet related to this story, uh, don't go to the replies. Uh, it's it's a wasteland, and it's disgusting the way that people on Twitter and on oh, film yeah. Twitter specifically talk about on a day armas. It's weird. Man. It's. It is, it's like, it, honestly, it's unlike anything that I've seen with any other actors in recent memory. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like, and it seems like totally okay, and every tweet will, like, super creepy stuff yeah. without, like, tons of likes, and, like, everyone seems on board with it. Like, why are, Why is it, like, just fine to totally objectify on a day armist, but, like, no other, it's like, yeah. it's just so weird. Why are we, why are we doing this? I just, like, yeah, I, I, I hope the movie's good. There's so much more to her than that, yeah. so I I hope that she continues to have her day in the sun because there are plenty of people out there who like her for her acting ability as yeah. well. Obviously, she keeps getting these major roles, yeah. so I I think that that she will definitely rise above the director's comments. Um, but speaking of people saying some really creepy and weird things, uh, let's talk about what happened with Ezra Miller <laughs> over the weekend. The flash. Um, so Ezra Miller is no stranger to controversy. Um, he's been arrested multiple times, uh, for being an asshole, basically. Um, it happened again, uh, like drunken disorderly, I think was the, was the charge yeah. apparently. So, so as far as I understand it, he's at this karaoke bar. They play a song that he doesn't like. He starts raging and throwing stuff, grabs the mic and starts cussing everybody out, spe- pointing out specifically this one couple Apparently, this couple then goes home after the bar, and somehow Ezra Miller ends up in this couple's bedroom, uh, threatening them, saying, I'm gonna bury you and your slut wife, was the quote that he said to these people. So, I I just... Obviously, this is insanely fucked up, and just, like, weird and disgusting, and I can't believe it's embarrassing Mm -hmm. and scary. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine, dude, if I had to pick any one actor on the planet... To not see in my bedroom in the middle of the <laughs> night threatening my life, I would rather have Giancarlo Esposito like in my bed. Give me Willem Dafoe Willem before Dafoe. you give me Ezra dude, Miller. <laughs> Ezra Miller's got something. He's yeah, he's scary, dude. He's he seems dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he he seems like he's becoming even more and more unhinged by the day and 100%. by every red carpet we see with him. I know that everyone at Warner Brothers, since they keep pushing flashback, everyone at Warner Brothers is just like, please don't get fully canceled before this movie yeah. comes out. <laughs> well, Warner Brothers is shitting their pants right now because Secrets of Dumbledore is two weeks away. And uh, Oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. He's yeah. totally in those movies. He's spoiler alert a dumbledore yeah <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how uh the next year plays out for his uh for his career because he really seems determined to just completely torpedo it yeah doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense but just i just can't get past that mental image of like waking up and ezra miller's at the foot of your bed yeah that's, <laughs> that's horrifying it chills down my spine <laughs> So, uh, speaking of actors that I don't really care for, uh, Sharon Stone was Mm -hmm. just cast as the lead villain in DC's Blue Beetle movie. Yes. And 
I will go on record as saying I think Sharon Stone has been good once in her career, and that was in mm-hmm. Casino, and even then she's probably the weakest part of that movie. Um, I've never understood the hype about her. I've never understood why people like her performances. I think she's very, like, either wooden or, like, at an 11 where it's completely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I think that that could work in the the DC supervillain role, depending on how goofy whatever villain they decide to make her be is. Well, she is an original character, seemingly. Okay. Yeah, it, her name is Victoria something, and there is no character in the DC comics with that name. Okay, so hopefully they will craft this role around her strengths, yeah. and uh, it won't be a glaring distraction for me during the movie, because I think Blue Beetle's awesome, and I'm very yeah. excited for this movie. And Jolo, I cannot remember his last name. Uh, He's from main, the Cobra Kai, right? Main kid from Cobra Kai, yeah. yeah. He is fantastic, and it's awesome casting for Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle's a great character, really underrated character, has some awesome artwork and storylines. Um I've seen, I've only ever seen Sharon Stone and Casino and Catwoman. So, <laughs> two I think, opposite yeah, ends of the I think spectrum. I, yeah. And it, it is interesting. Like, uh, when you tell me this immediately, it's like, oh, she's a, she's a big name. That's cool that she's playing the bad guy in the Blue Beetle thing. But then I'm like, wait a minute. She's only ever been a bad guy in a comic book thing once, and it was Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> I hope this is better than Catwoman. <laughs> I think that they. They would have to be trying to make it worse than Catwoman to make it worse than Catwoman. I I think that that movie is such a train wreck that was unintended. And -hmm. it's just a mishmash of so many different things that it would be it would be impossible to make a worse comic book movie unless you were actually setting out to say, hey, I want to make the worst comic book movie ever made. Yeah, but then, but then even then, like, it would just not not be the same. Like, because there's a difference between, like, uh, tr- people trying to make a good thing and it not being done well and people intentionally making, like, a dumb true. thing. Very, very true. So, speaking of movies that have very confusing takes on what the director's intention was, mm-hmm. let's jump into our 10-minute uh, take for the week. Okay. Um, so we're going to put 10 minutes on the clock and talk about two movies that we saw this past week in theaters. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about Ty West's new A24 horror movie called X. Uh, Blake, give me your thoughts on X. Yeah. So normally this 10 minute segment, I just want to say would be like, a, let's see if we can talk about as much as, as much as we can in this 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But with these movies, it's going to be like, can we make it 10 minutes? <laughs> can we talk about these movies for it's 10 It's going to be a minutes? challenge. X was really bad, dude. I hated this movie. Um, I love A24. I love A24 horror movies. Um, what what else did Ty West make, didn't I? See, here's the thing. Ty West, I love him. Uh-huh. He did he did one of the segments in the original VHS. Great. Um, he did uh, The House of the Devil. Okay. Um, amazing movie. We watched that not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, Greta Gerwig's in that movie. Mm-hmm. It was a very early role of hers. Um. But yeah, that movie's great. The Innkeepers with Sarah Paxton. That's another movie that okay. he made. That's a great movie. Um, and then he also did The Sacrament, which was like a modern day take on Jonestown. And that was also really oh, great. Okay. I've, I've heard of that movie, yeah. So, and then he took a break from horror and did a Western called In the Valley of Violence. I have not seen that one. Okay. It's supposed to be really good. It's actually his highest rated movie on IMDb. Hmm. Um, but this was supposed to be his big landmark return to horror, the thing that yeah. made him. And it just was such a mess. It's it's boring, dude. Like it's just for the most part, for the first like hour and a half, it's just boring. Mm-hmm. And then when when everything starts happening all at once, 
uh, and they're doing like the slash eight seventies eighties slasher like one liners and badass stuff. It's like, but none of them were earned, so you yeah. feel nothing. You're just waiting for the movie to end by the time it's over. Because most of the movie you're spent just being like, well, when is something going to happen? And there are so many teases, too, so where they're like, many, you man. think that the, that the action's going to get started. Mm-hmm. I'm all for a good fake-out scene. Or a slow burn. But when you give me five fake-out scenes in a row, yeah. and the framing around it is just watching these assholes make a porno in a, in a mm-hmm. shed, it's like, you're not giving me interesting enough characters, first off, to make me care about what's happening to them. Yeah. And then whenever you do decide to crank up the gore and the kills and everything, it's a lot of fun. And that's mm-hmm. what pisses me off is that the movie could have been this much fun all the way through. Yeah, because the gore effects are crazy good. Oh, they're incredible. But again, it's just like, you just feel nothing by mm-hmm. the time that you're watching, by the time you finally get to the end of this movie. And the only like horror element stuff is not, I wouldn't even say it's horror. It's just gross because it's yeah. just like, I mean, I, I'm just it's just like old people being horny and sexual. And it's like, I, obviously they just did that because it, they knew they would make people like uncomfortable. So it's like not this like horror thing. You're mm-hmm. just like, gr- just weirded out and uncomfortable. But yeah. like not in like a, 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 like an impressive filmmaking way. I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's more, he's going for shock rather than substance. Totally, yeah. And... That has its place. I mean, I love I love uh, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's Grindhouse. That's like one of my favorite theatrical experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. But that movie was setting out to be a B-movie. Yeah. This wanted to be both a slow burn horror movie and a slasher B-movie. Yeah. And those two genres, while I admire the effort that was put in to, to meld those two... I just don't think that those two genres lend themselves to each other. Yeah, and it's also really hard to make like a bad like or like a B movie or like an intentionally kind of bad or like a tongue in cheek or whatever. It's done right every now and then, but like I would say I would argue that a better version of this type of movie, a throwback slasher, self-aware B movie type thing is honestly the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. Absolutely. I think that movie nails that movie nails what this movie tried to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's fun. It's, it's fun. It's goofy. It has some of the funniest dialogue I've ever heard in a horror There's movie. There's action and horror elements throughout. It's got it, and it's got a genuinely surprising twist ending too. Totally. It's that, yeah. That's a that's a great example of how to set out to blend modern horror elements with classic campy horror. Yeah. And have it work. And I I will say one positive thing about this movie. Um, I absolutely love Mia Goth, and I thought that she was the most interesting character in this movie. She, mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, she plays a dual role in this movie, yeah. um, playing the old lady in it also with some very impressive makeup. Um, and she plays both roles very, very well. It's just I wish that the characters had been written more interestingly for her because she's an incredibly talented actress that doesn't get enough options, and it's... It was it was a big letdown for me to see her star in an A24 horror movie from Ty West in a dual role, and I just don't give a shit about it afterwards. Yeah, this whole movie is a big, big letdown. Especially, like, I was really excited to see Kid Cudi in a movie, like, mm-hmm. in the theater, and it's like, yeah, I, I love Kid Cudi, and I wish he was in more movies. I, th- I thought he was, like, the actors were all good in the yeah. movie. Like, they just, the, the characters were shit. It was just directed poorly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, if you can't tell, for me, X was about a one and a half out of five. Yeah, one. Okay. 
All right, so let's move on to the other disappointing movie we saw this week, <laughs> The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Was it so, just called The Lost City? The Lost City. Oh, I thought it was The Lost City of D. Nope, it's just called The okay. Lost City. That's gotcha. the name of the book that she writes in the movie. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, so this movie had a lot of promise from mm-hmm. the trailers. Unfortunately, it fell victim to what happens with modern comedy movies mm-hmm. all the time. Well, ones that aren't directed by Judd Apatow, at least. Or like Lord and Miller or John Francis Daly. <laughs> yeah, like they use every good joke in the movie in the trailer. and Most of them. And the ones that they didn't use in the trailer, they just use in the first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This, this movie goes so far off the rails after the first like 40 minutes. Um, where it is a fun, entertaining rom-com adventure movie that that rem- that's reminiscent of *Romancing the Stone* and the chemistry. What seems to be the chemistry between like Indy and Marion at first, <laughs> and then it just fizzles out to this completely unbelievable chemistry where they try to just make it an adventure movie without any big action set pieces, really. Yeah. Um, and again, talk about a movie whose ending didn't seem earned to me. It was just so, so, it was it was a chore to get through for me by the end. And what that was such a bummer because I loved it at the beginning. I was laughing my yeah. ass off. Yeah, you were talking about the promise of it and everything. Like the promise of the cast and the trailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then also the promise of the first 30 minutes. Yeah. This movie in the first 30 minutes told me, hey, you're in for a really funny, like, big theatrical comedy. Which you, yeah. you haven't seen that since the game night. That's the last time you saw one. 100%. And, and you're in for this for the first 30 minutes. And then... I wish I could say this movie's like a train wreck, but it's not. It's like the beginning of the movie is you getting on the train and the train starts going and then like 30 minutes into being on the train, it just like Something's on the track and you just have to sit there for a while. No, no not even <laughs> that. It just, it just slows down. Yeah. And it just keeps slowing down until it's not moving anymore. Yeah. For me, it <laughs> it hit a wall at, at one point. After, after the... Well, this isn't a spoiler because he's in the trailer. After Brad Pitt's character shows up, mm-hmm. like it's that to me was like the peak of the movie the movie yes. was like it was it was revving up to be something all down and then it down. hits a hard wall where it's like it kind of has to recalibrate itself almost and, mm-hmm. and turn into a different movie and it was just it was just a bummer because uh, it, it had such promise from the beginning it, it's a rom-com that forgot it was a comedy mm-hmm. and didn't think about chemistry and the romance part and it's so a, it's neither a rom or a com. And it's an action-adventure movie without the action. Yeah. And so it's just these kind of little piece-together things of of good ideas mm-hmm. that are there. I mean, it's, it's a pretty basic setup, but it's a fun setup, especially yeah. when you have these two actors. But it's, it's just a bummer whenever they don't play off each other well. And... Uh, Honestly, the only thing that I really enjoyed in this movie was Daniel Radcliffe. I wish his character had been written mm-hmm. a little bit more richly, but he seemed to be having an absolute blast with this movie, and it was fun to see him play like a crazy over-the-top villain. Yeah, I would love to see Daniel Radcliffe play a villain, some major villain role. I thought, I thought, I thought he was awesome in the movie. Oh, yeah. no, he And he was very funny, mm-hmm. and... It was it was just the movie around him just didn't didn't fit the energy he was giving into it. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree with you. I'm yeah. trying to think of something else to say because we have one more minute, but I, dude. <laughs> yeah, honestly, there's just not a lot to say about him. There really isn't. It's it's one of those things where if you if you watch the trailer a couple of times, you got the general idea of the best parts of the movie. There are some additional scenes and lines that are pretty unexpected in the in the beginning, of yeah, course. In the beginning, um, but 
once it hits that 30 40 minute mark just know if you if you decide to watch this one in the theaters or if you decide to watch it at home just know it's going to slow down a lot you can get up and and make yourself some popcorn <laughs> 30 minutes into the movie yeah. you can uh go to the bathroom as many times or as just you stop need watching to. it because you're not going to laugh anymore the, 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 like this is like a half full theater and there was a moment in this movie where i was like oh weird i haven't laughed for like 15 minutes and mm-hmm. then i was like oh weird no one's laughed for 15 minutes yeah it was it was a strange experience. So I'm gonna give the Lost City a two out of five. A uh, one and a half. All right. So we went a couple seconds over. Don't hold it against us. <laughs> but that's ten minutes on X and the Lost City. So let's get into the meat of this episode. It's what everyone's been talking about for the past couple of days. It's been on everyone's minds. Let's talk about the Oscars. Yeah. Uh. Before we get into the Oscars, let's let's just right up top address the elephant in the room. Okay. Let's talk about it just for a minute. I do not want to spend a lot of time talking about this because I'm so tired of the hot takes mm-hmm. and the bad opinions about this about this situation. Um, unless so, unless you've been living under a rock for the last couple of days, Chris Rock made a joke about gi jane 2 to jada pinkett smith because her hair is short and will smith went up on stage and slapped him in the face and was screaming don't talk keep <laughs> keep... keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth was yeah. the quote <laughs> yeah so uh there's been just people have talked about this to death um i am under the opinion that I don't think it's okay to assault comedians for making mild jokes. Yeah. Um, I also think that it's really weird that a lot of these people that are saying that, that they're defending Will Smith are also the same people that defended Dave Chappelle a few months ago. Yep. When Dave Chappelle was not making funny little GI Jane two jokes, Dave Chappelle was like making very damaging comments about an entire group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just I I I think it's wrong to assault a comedian for making a joke and then getting away with it and nothing happening. <laughs> I I honestly hope that there is some I don't know if it needs to go as far as revoking his Oscar, but there needs to be something. He needs to be barred from ever being eligible for a nomination again. They they, they should never allow him there again after after that cuz that's I mean, they, that's fucked up. It's it's disgusting if anybody else had done it, mm-hmm. then they would be in a lot of trouble if if it wasn't Chris Rock that said that joke, if it was a white guy that said that joke and it was still Will Smith and people wouldn't be on Will Smith's side, probably they would be against him. It's just like, there's, there's so many weird angles being taken to this. I thought it was fucked up that Tiffany Haddish is over here talking about how it's the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. And, Mm -hmm. and there's this whole group of thought that like, it's a, uh, he, he was he's standing up for his woman and like like we're going backwards into this time of like men are here to punch mm-hmm. man, other man who stand up to wife like it's just it's stupid you know what, what he should have done if he was upset about that joke he knew he was going to win the Oscar everyone in the room knew he was going to win the Oscar go up win the Oscar in your acceptance speech be like I don't think it was cool that Chris Rock made a joke about my wife's alopecia mm-hmm. also that would be humiliating sorry. for Chris Rock also I'm sorry most all of you, pretty much all of us, I would say conservatively speaking, 75% of the people watching the Oscars had no idea Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia. I had no la- idea. Until la- the other night. Um, Chris Rock, you know Chris Rock's just walking out there saying she has short hair and then making a little like 
flipping it like yeah, G.I. Jane 2. There like, was, what, in the, what in the world? There was no way that joke was in the script. It was yeah. it was just an offhand. And he even said afterwards, he's like, oh, come on, that was a nice one. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you Chris Rock had no idea about the alopecia diagnosis. Yeah. And it's it's really scary to see this super toxic idea of love put out there mm-hmm. with Jada and Will. And where, supported by so many people. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's like this, like you said, it's taken a step backwards in time where it's like, okay, if she had a problem with it, then maybe she should have yelled something at him or yeah. something like that. Or if Will had a problem with it, yell something at him. Oh. Talk about it in your acceptance speech. Mm-hmm. Don't turn to physical violence to deal with Mm -hmm. a joke you didn't enjoy. It also can't be brought up enough that Will Smith thought the joke was funny. He laughed at the fucking joke. I've Mm -hmm. watched the video a whole bunch of times. He heard the joke. He laughed at the joke because he thought the joke was funny. Because guess what? It was funny. It was one of the only funny jokes that happened all night. And then Jada (laughs) obviously Mm -hmm. says something to him. And then he has to do whatever she says. Because it's Jada Pinkett Smith. And that's their dynamic. And it sucks. And it's what sucks even more is how many people are defending them. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really all that needs to be said about it because mm-hmm. there were so many other things that happened at the Oscars that are worth talking about yep. that were almost just as fucked up. Um, or, or amazing. Like, dude, Samuel Jackson won a oh, fucking yeah. Oscar. A motherfucking Oscar. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> Come on, man. Denzel presented it to him. And yeah. Denzel, and we didn't get to see that. Also, side note, we didn't get to see that. They just did that before the Oscars and didn't even film it to show yeah. us later. Like, it's oh. this, I mean, we talked about it last episode about the Oscars, about how they cut all of these super essential categories from the broadcast and just showed the, quote, most emotionally impactful statements from them later. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a huge bummer to see basically every single Oscar that Dune won not actually happen live. Yeah, it was very weird. Like, that, okay. And Hans Zimmer didn't even go because he knew that it wasn't going to be live. He wasn't even there. Exactly. It's it's crazy to me that that... That happened. I hope this is the last year that that's the that And you plan. know what, what's crazy about that is that they failed. They miserably failed with that because this was the longest Academy Awards mm-hmm. since 2008. Yep. And, and three hours and 40 minutes. The, the excuse of, oh, people aren't going to watch a ceremony this long if we include these. Okay, then why are we including an entire performance of a song that is not even nominated for an Oscar with We Don't Talk About Bruno? But not even the song. It was the song, but half, like, it was like the first verse of the song, and then the rest of the song was just a new Megan the Stallion rap about the Oscars. It was very strange. It was like, I like Megan the Stallion. I think she's cool. I thought it was yeah. pretty cool, but like... What are we doing? Like, can we, if we're so strapped, like, strapped for time at these things, then just, like, stop doing the musical numbers, dude. We're, at this point, like, the Oscars need to uh, get give up on the fact that they're going to get to these 40 million, 50 million viewers mm-hmm. thing, because nothing does that other than the Super Bowl, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely nuts for them to think that they're going to put up numbers, even to... to to fight against like American Idol's numbers. Like yeah, American like Idol's gonna get more viewers than the Oscars every yeah. time. Like it's it's never going to be this thing that they want it to be. They're mm-hmm. never going to appeal to the masses in the way that they want to. So let's make this a ceremony for movie watchers. Let's yes. make this a ceremony for people who actually give a shit and have seen the movies themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have put in the work and 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 give us something yeah. to look forward to every year to see 
if the movies that we thought were great mm-hmm. also were recognized by the Academy. Now, yeah. that's not a, a validation thing or anything. I know what movies I like. I know what movies I think are good. But it's really cool to see filmmakers and individuals be recognized for their work within the community on a grand scale like this. And the fact that every single year, basically, we have something happen that's a big middle finger to some part of the film community. Mm-hmm. And it's just insane to me that they can't they can't get it right. Yeah, they, they really can't get it right. And I think that uh, I think that a lot of the reason that like why people stop watching the Oscars is because like people don't watch those movies anymore. Like generally speaking, like a lot of those are really great movies, but like <laughs> licorice pizza mm-hmm. and like th- these movies are not movies that are not, even Nightmare Alley are like not movies that people watch or saw. Yeah. Like so. And it's not just this year. This is not an isolated incident. It's like they exclusively pick like these movies that all feel and look in such a specific way while these same people are simultaneously like shitting on Marvel for all feeling the same or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, when you look at the best picture cat like nominations, like aside from Coda and Dune, those are all very similar movies. Like and just like style and tone and like all of that stuff. I'm yeah. just like I'm just kinda over it, man. I'm just over like the the snootiness of it and the the production of it that they have to try to make everything so flashy and like three hosts like it's just mm-hmm. like they're just throwing trying so many things and it's like let's let's talk about the hosts okay actually because it started off pretty good it started off okay. I would. I'm gonna say that the only jokes that worked were literally jokes that I've seen on Twitter, on film Twitter, like so many times already. Yeah, like so many of the jokes. And then there were jokes and whole bits that went on way too long that were creepy as fuck and sexist. I'm, yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm just glad that that we didn't. We didn't have both the most violent and horniest Oscars ever. I'm so glad that didn't happen <laughs> this year. Like what the. F- fuck dude they they bring up all of these single actors Mm -hmm. on stage single male actors and do a whole bit about how they're gonna cavity search them and she's gonna use her tongue to swab their mouths and all this stuff and literally like feeling up josh brolin and stuff like what's going on and, and this is just and this is just like funny and like no one really had a problem with this on twitter and like it was just like a regular thing that happened it's like bro we're doing this all this me too stuff it's like like no wonder, like, Terry Crews, like, didn't say anything about mm-hmm. the stuff that he went through. Is because, like... You're doing it on bro, a national fucking, stage right now. a national stage. Can you imagine if, like, Ricky Gervais was hosting and then brought Sydney Sweeney up there and started about talking about her tits or something? Like, what the yeah. fuck are we doing, man? Yeah. It's, it's so disgusting to me that this is just, like, okay. Because it's, a because they're men. It's just, like, totally fine to, like, objectify them and sexualize them in any way that you can just because we traditionally have done that to women that like now it's okay and and funny and great and progressive to do it back yeah it's like why don't we evolve as people and, and just, just stop leave, doing that yeah just leave this behavior in the past yeah why don't we just stop doing this like stop doing this especially on the fucking oscar stage mm-hmm. dude it was so bad and so weird another bit that totally didn't work is wanda sykes walking around the the Oscar Museum. Oscar Museum, making mm-hmm. one-liners and jokes about all of this stuff in film history. That So it's like, I don't understand what they're trying to do there because it's like an ad for the Academy Museum, which has like 
oh my god, they have, like, the actual ruby slippers, and they have the mm-hmm. actual uh, Darth Vader helmet, and, like, all this really cool stuff that, like, if, if you're a fan of the Academy, then you would want to go see it. But this whole thing is, like, Wanda Sykes just, like, talking shit about everything there. Yeah. So I'm like, what are we trying to do? Is and it is it shitty or is it cool? I had the most hope for her because I think she's a great comedian, and she was she's an honestly... an incredible comedian. She was the weakest part of the hosting lineup. I don't... I, nothing she said made me laugh. Yeah, and she kept tripping over her lines, yep. and that was that's a bummer. Like, Amy Schumer was the funniest out of the three of them, but but Amy Schumer was again just literally reading tweets that I've yeah. seen so many times made over the last couple months about "Don't look up" or about this or about Coda or about that. Like, I've seen people tweet the same word for word tweets like four or five times, and I will say I appreciated one of the jokes that she made just for the fact that it got someone to say the last duel during the Oscars. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, it got it some exposure at least <laughs> see but i always hate whenever they do that because the joke was like about how, how no one no, saw nobody it. saw last duel and it's like well you motherfuckers if you guys would have nominated like you were supposed to maybe some more people would have fucking seen it yep i uh, i was thinking the exact same thing when that happened i was blown away that they would just throw shade at a movie that most people don't even know what it is yeah so it was it was like okay so you're gonna make some super deep film jokes but mm. then you're also going to bring a bunch of actors on stage and sexualize and objectify them. It's like, it seemed to me like, I wonder if the hiring process for the writer's room for the Oscars this year was different than in previous years, or if the, if it was the hosts contributing more, I don't know what happened because usually they have a really solid team of joke writers in there Mm -hmm. at the Oscars. And there's some good jokes, not always delivered the best way, depending on who's hosting, but there's typically a handful of really funny jokes. And this year, it just seemed, like you said, a bunch of regurgitated internet jokes that we've seen before. And mm-hmm. so... It, it's like watching SNL. Exactly. Where you're just like, oh, SNL, I guess they were on Twitter all week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the ceremony... I mean, is there anything else that you can that you can think of that was I don't want to. I don't want to complain about anything else. I want to talk about Troy Caster. Kotzer. Kotzer from CODA winning an Academy Award. Because that was that was the highlight of the night, right? Definitely, his speech was incredible. It moved me to tears. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that a man is able to uh, act so well and literally give the best performance—that one hundred percent—he deserved that award. Definitely, like, and it wasn't it wasn't really close between the people that were nominated, and for for a guy to be as good as he is without the ability to speak and use mm-hmm. his voice is uh, remarkable. I really hope that this opens doors for other disabled uh, actors to get more roles. And the interviews that he's been doing afterwards are really, really cool. He just did one today where his, he was talking about how his dad asked him whenever he was a kid, if he wanted to get these, uh, I forget what they're called, what, specifically they're called basically like hearing aids that would that would help him mm-hmm. to actually be able to hear people and he had decided back then that whenever he was a kid that he loved the way that he was and he loved that he was different and he was going to use that to his advantage and he won an academy award it's it's an incredible story and i i hope that this gets more eyes on that movie because yes. like we talked about um this this movie was mind-blowing I was not expecting to have the reaction to this yeah. movie that I did. Absolutely floored, emotionally wrecked. 
and and we watched it. Was it two nights before the Oscars? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And it was it was just one of those things where I was think I was thinking, okay, I need to I need to at least see all of the ones that are nominated in Best Picture. I still haven't gotten around to Power of the Dog. I I need to, uh, but. Coda was one that was like I, I should probably see this before mm-hmm. before the Oscars happen, and I'm so happy that I did because immediately after seeing it, that was the one I was pulling for to win Best Picture. Yes. Only because I thought that Nightmare Alley did not have a shot. Nightmare Alley, I think, is a superior film, but uh, Coda was one of the most moving experiences that I've had with a movie since Sing Street. And Coda is the first Sundance film to ever win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Really fucking cool, man. And and the first Apple film to yeah. to win an Academy and Award. Also, half of the not just the cast, but like half of the crew were deaf people and hard mm-hmm. of hearing. And for this director to be able to like communicate with these people, and, and and like it's hard enough for a director to communicate with somebody when you can all speak. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's remarkable. The movie is so moving it is it's beautiful like it's just a beautiful film it's funny as hell too yeah and and the kid from sing street yeah and that and he exclusively (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) he exclusively picks movies that will make you like full body cry (laughs) like shaking absolutely but not because you're sad and (laughs) honestly i feel like I kind of feel like Eugenio Derbez should have gotten a nomination in this category also. He played the music teacher in Coda. Yeah, he was amazing, man. Coda had some of the best performances of yeah. the entire year, and it only had one acting nomination, mm-hmm. and it deserved to win so many of them. Uh, Coda won the only three Academy Awards it was nominated for. Best Picture, Best Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, Best Adapted Screenplay. Yep. Um, and if you're going to win any three, those are the three to win. I mean, definitely. damn. That's, that's a lineup right there. I mean, that, that shows, to me, that shows how, how much this movie spoke to the people that saw it. Mm-hmm. And I, I guarantee you that this is going to be one of those movies that gets a lot more eyes on it because of the best picture win, just like Parasite did. Yeah. And it's going to be respected for many years, not just because it won an Oscar, but because it's a truly beautiful film. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about some of the winners. Um, so we're going to jump right into it and talk about the people who won. And we're also going to give out the winners for our Oscar nominations that we did in the previous Oscars episode. So let's jump right into Best Supporting Actress. This one went to Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. And I think she gave the second best speech of the night at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. She blew me away. I thought that she was amazing in that movie. Um, she, she is a star. She like is a, an you, absolute star. You see her, you're like, whoa, she's going to be around for a while. When when we watched Hamilton the first time, mm-hmm. she is a, she's one of the dancers in Hamilton and part of the choir. And she is the one who plays the bullet at the end. Mm-hmm. And she has such a cool, unique hairstyle in that in that recording of Hamilton that she just stood out to me in, in the background of like, every, almost distractingly so, mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, there's something about that girl that's like so fascinating. Yeah. And it's her eyes too. And here it is. She's she's now an Oscar winner. Yeah. For for right arguably her gate. first major role in a movie. Now she was she was in that co-starring role in Netflix's The Prom, 
but that that wasn't a a Steven Spielberg directed Oscar movie. Like that's that's insane to me that she that she was able to do it and in the same role that Rita Moreno won her and she was Oscar there. for. And she got to see her win the Oscar. Just an amazing circle of life type yeah. of thing. So I think it should be time to give our awards for best supporting actress. Um, as a reminder, nominated in this category, we have Kate Blanchett for Don't Look Up, Kate Blanchett for Nightmare Alley, Anya Taylor-Joy for Last Night in Soho, Rebecca Ferguson for Dune, Aquafina for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I am going to be giving this to Rebecca Ferguson in Dune. That is exactly what I was going to say. So we rewatched Dune the other night, and that mm. was my seventh viewing of that movie, I think. Third for me. And it was still she's the best part of the movie as far as the performances go it's this incredibly touching performance um incredibly powerful performance i cannot wait to see her in the next movie um yeah i I don't think there's anything more that can be said about her she's she's the standout performance of this movie and so that's that's who i'm giving this award to yeah i mean she's she's incredible she's uh she needs to be a household name and Mm -hmm. I, i don't know why she isn't that, that, that's one of those like she, she's so good when you see the movie the first time and then like like I said before I went and started reading the book after that and then going back and watching it and knowing more things about the mom and where mm-hmm. she goes and then seeing the performance you're like oh shit this is better on a level that I didn't even know the first time definitely yeah. so uh, yeah we'll move on to best supporting actor this one went to Troy Kotzer for Coda um, so in our nominees we have Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza Willem Dafoe for Spider-Man No Way Home, Adam Driver for The Last Duel, Alex Wolf for Pig, and Robin DeJesus for Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm giving this one to Robin DeJesus. Out of our nominations, Robin DeJesus, and if you would have asked me like four days ago, five days ago, I would have still said Robin DeJesus. But then we watched Coda, and he did he did deserve it. Out of our nominations, Robin DeJesus, yes. Absolutely. But, oh, no, I'm not saying any of these deserve it. Yeah, I just, the, I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to clarify with that. With most of these, I would say that they should have won over the one who actually won. Mm-hmm. But that one is just like a absolutely no way. He, Definitely. He, he's, he was phenomenal. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, we we gushed about Robin DeJesus in the previous yeah. episode. He's the heart of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael is... is the the reason the story keeps getting pushed along and his performance his voice everything he's so charming he's so funny he's so heartbreaking he's so real and uh it's it's just one of the best performances of the year absolutely amazing best friend chemistry between the two of them too between him and andrew garfield definitely um let's let's knock out all the acting ones up front. yeah uh so for uh best actress uh that went to jessica chastain for the eyes of tammy faye did not see it um haven't seen it yet i love michael showalter who directed it i thought that was really cool that michael showalter's name got mentioned at the oscars mm-hmm. um i've been following him ever since he was with his comedy troupe the state uh, ever since wet hot american summer i love the man uh it was it was awesome to see his movie win both best makeup and best actress um so that was uh that was pretty awesome but in our categories for best actress we have thomas and mckenzie for last night in soho jody comer for the last duel Alana Hyam for Licorice Pizza, Rachel Zegler for West Side Story, and Jennifer Lawrence for Don't Look Up. Blake, who are you giving this one to? Jodie Comer gave one of the all-time great acting performances I've seen. I couldn't agree more. She should not only have won the Oscar and the real Oscars, but it should be like 
like the same way that we look back on like some of the most iconic acting performances. Brando and Streetcar. Like, dude, yeah. like, dude, you name Heath Ledger and Joker. Mm-hmm. Like the, these ones that we just think of immediately. Like Jodie Comer in The Last Duel. Some of the best acting I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, we we talked about this movie a ton. Watch it. It's on HBO Max. You have no excuse. She is the movie. The movie it, is her. It's it's a marvel to behold. It is a very... It, she carries a movie on her shoulders, and that is not a lightweight. It is an incredibly difficult movie to carry on your shoulders. Absolutely. And she elevates it. Not only oh. carries it on her shoulders, she carries it up a mountain while it's on her shoulders. It's, it's incredible. It deserves to be seen by everybody. Um, speaking of performances that need to be seen by everybody, let's move on to Best Actor. Um, obviously, this one went to Will Smith for King Richard. Um, mm-hmm. And in our nominees, we have Bradley Cooper for Nightmare Alley, Cooper Hoffman for Licorice Pizza, Dev Patel for The Green Knight, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II for Candyman, and Nicolas Cage for Pig. We gotta go Cage, right? Yeah, dude. I mean, come on. It's talk about career-defining performances. Mm-hmm. This is a better performance than he gave for the performance he already won an Oscar for in uh, in uh, uh, Leaving Las Vegas. And this is one of the most heartbreaking, eye-opening takes on grief I've ever seen an actor do. And the pain, but also the hope that you see in him by the end of the movie is all done through an incredible performance that's all in his face. He doesn't have to be screaming. He doesn't have to be being the crazy Nicolas Cage that we see. He does have those moments where he gets to be unhinged, but this is a more subdued Cage. This is Cage at the absolute top of his game. Yeah, um, I I do think that Will Smith was incredible as King Richard. Um, that that is, an, that is a fantastic movie, and that's one of the best, if not the best, that Will Smith's ever been. But this is the best that Nick Cage has ever been. And the best that Nick Cage has ever been is better than the best that Will Smith has ever been. I couldn't agree more. Nick I, Cage is one of the, one of the greatest actors that ever lived. I am very excited in a couple of weeks for our episode about the unbearable weight of massive talent when that I, comes out. I, I'm more excited for that than I am for Doctor Strange, and I'm not joking at all. I, they're, they're very close to each other for me. Um, so let's talk about cinematography. This one went to Greg Fraser for Dune. Um, I mean, <laughs> totally think it deserved it. Greg um, Fraser, the goat, man. So this one in our categories, we have Linus Sandgren for No Time to Die, Pat Scola for Pig, Darius Walski for The Last Duel, Chun Hong Chung for Last Night in Soho, and then we've also got Andrew Draws Palermo for The Green Knight. It's got to be Chung Hong Chung. It's it has to be Chung Hong Chung. I will fight you if you don't choose Chung Hong Chung. <laughs> this man, this is... man, man, but The Green Knight, dude. The, yeah, I mean, that movie looks like no other movie true but tell me another movie that does what he was able to accomplish in last oh, night from a like technicality and difficulty perspective but like god the green knight is such a pretty movie it really really is man now you're making me think i, I, I gotta go with i gotta go last night and so i'm the sticking colors with it. and the lighting it just like and the special effects in that movie like i don't even like that movie that much I, it is just i want to live in that world i think that all of those things can be said for last night in soho also yeah, though absolutely the the color i'm just, I'm just going the back lighting, and forth the mirrors the oh, yeah. the the, mirrors. the camera tricks the in in scene camera tricks it's just to me that's that's what cinematography is all about is innovation and it it's shot unlike anything i've ever seen shot before yeah 
So, yeah, I mean, it can't go wrong in either choice there, honestly. Yeah, I've just gone back and forth. I just like, because that movie has, again, like, like The Green Knight is is one of those movies that, like, any moment that you pause of it is gonna be, like, would be on one perfect shot on that Twitter page, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's just breathtaking. Absolutely. Um, So, best editing. This one went to Dune also. Um, And in our categories, we have The Last Night in Soho, The Last Duel, Pig, the French Dispatch, and Candyman. Okay, let me ask you a question. Why, uh, you said the Dune one best editing? Dune one best editing. Do you think that Dune has better editing or the editing is as important as it is in any of those movies that you just listed for hours? Absolutely not. And I think the only one that was actually nominated for an Oscar that deserved it was Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, and Last Night in Soho. Last Night in Soho got completely overlooked at the Oscars. Last Night in Soho not getting an editing nomination or Candyman even? Dude, yeah. Candyman, that's, that movie is scary because of the editing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. That's why we did these categories because there were so many movie options that were better than what we were given at the actual Oscars. We love Dune. I will, yeah, the more oh, yeah. Oscars for Dune, the better. But editing, that's a weird one. Yeah. Um, this one, this one's a toss up for me, but I think I got to go last night in Soho again on this one. Uh, it's, it's just on a technical level. This movie is masterful Mm -hmm. in every category. Um, I, I know that you, the other one I'm going back and forth between is the last duel, uh, because the movie hinges so much on editing. It really does, like with the three different perspectives mm-hmm. and the three different stories. But then and... again, like you said, Candyman, that movie also hinges on the editing. There, totally. are, so, there are so many good good options here. I'm going to go with my gut, though, and I'm sticking with Last Night in Soho. What, what are you thinking? I'm going to go Candyman, dude. All Can, right. I haven't like been that successfully scared by jump scares and editing mm-hmm. in, in a very long time. And I think that that movie, like, that movie is, was made or broken in the editing bay. Definitely. More than any other movie. Definitely. Uh, let's move on to bre- best production design. Uh, that one went to Dune also. Uh, and for our nominees, we have The Green Knight, Last Night in Soho, The Last Duel, The Harder They Fall, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Blake, man, who are you picking for this one? That's a really good one. I think I'm, I think I gotta go with The Last Duel, man. I mean, like, nobody... Ridley Scott's, like middle ages type movies mm-hmm. or really any movie that takes place in the past that Ridley Scott directs. It just like, I don't know the name of the production designer that he gets, but like the one on this one was Arthur Max. Just, uh, it's, inc- it's incredible that like w- when you're watching this movie, you're like, Oh, these like castles and these things just like still exist. Or did mm-hmm. they just make all of them? Or did they film like on location at these real places? Like, man, it's, 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 it's a very atmospheric movie and there's mm-hmm. a lot of great like scenery and and it, it at no point does it feel like a movie or a set. Yeah, no, you're totally right. That's for all of those reasons, that's why I'm going with The Green Knight. Okay. Uh, the Green oh, Knight man. for yeah, everything you dude. said about oh. the cinematography, that cinematography would not have worked if it wasn't for the sets and the mm-hmm. the on location and everything that they had the, the character for designs it. and stuff mm-hmm. too, yeah. Everything. It was it was just like you said. It's like un- unlike anything I'd ever seen before, mm-hmm. and it was it was just mind blowing. On the same level that Dune was for me, uh, so I, I do think that Dune over all of these movies, I think Dune was was the one that deserved it the most. Uh, but Green Knight's got to be in the, that second place spot for me. Mm-hmm. 
So next, let's move on to Best Original Song. This one was won by Billie Eilish and Phineas for No Time to Die. I have an I have a, an autograph from an Academy Award winning person. Yeah, Blake was lucky enough to preorder Phineas's album and got a uh, got a, a signed copy of it. It's yeah. uh, it's I'm very very <laughs> no, jealous of that. No big deal. I just have the autograph of an Academy Award winning person. <laughs> <laughs> so again i think this was a very deserved win for everything it was nominated against oh yeah um, i mean that that one uh, I, there's some great there were some great songs but i mean yeah that one's been out for two years <laughs> and it won an academy yeah. award that's that's the staying power Dude, that's that the song. best bond song since at least skyfall definitely it's better than skyfall in my opinion i, I agree and skyfall <laughs> won so yeah it made sense that this would win uh, so our nominees, we have We Don't Talk About Bruno from Encanto. We have One More Song from Vivo. We have Guns Go Bang from The Harder They Fall. We have Run It from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And we have Haunted House from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Run it. Absolutely run it. I'm Dude. so glad you chose Run It. Yeah, 100%. It, it, it is the most like adrenaline pumping, like fun, when it's, cool song. When it's used in the movie, it's used so well, yeah. unbelievably well. In the best scene of the movie, yeah, it arguably, that yeah. Scene. <laughs> it's an awesome song. Anytime it, it comes on my shuffle, I gotta crank the volume yeah. as high as possible. Yeah, this song kicks ass. Mm-hmm. And it would have been nice to see Joji win an Academy Award. Oh my god, it would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been so so cool yeah. <laughs> to see to see Rich Brian and Joji on uh-huh. stage accepting an Academy so, Award. And Rick Ross. Yeah, y'all Rick you, Ross you guys too. didn't get an Academy Award, but take our Academy Award. Yeah, it's it's just as important. Well, it's it's honestly like probably more valuable now because <laughs> no, we're not slapping each other. <laughs> <laughs> True. I don't know. We haven't we haven't come across one that we really disagree on yet. There might be some slaps <laughs> in the future. Who knows? Uh, so let's move on to best original score. Uh, your boy took this one home, Hans mm-hmm. Zimmer for Dune, as you well should have. The motherfucker ing- <laughs> invented a fucking instrument for this this score. How could he not win? Yeah. He invented an instrument. He's also Hans motherfucking Zimmer. So and and that's why we have him nominated in our category also for No Time to Die. Yeah. I mean the man can do no wrong in my book. His him scores, and Giacchino, man. Yeah, him Giacchino and and Resnick Ross. Um, they, they always knock it out of the park. So yeah, we've got Hans Zimmer for No Time to Die. We've got Daniel Hart for The Green Knight. We've got Alexander Desplat for uh, The French Dispatch. Michael Giacchino for Spider-Man No Way Home. And Dan Romer for Luca. Dan Romer for Luca. That score is amazing. It's, uh, like the backbone of that movie. And like the soul of that movie is the score. And, and it's a very, we've talked about it before. It's a very simple movie. It's not extremely complicated. And the music uh, matches that absolutely like, i i honestly did not think we were going to line up on so many of these but yeah. i'm also giving it to dan oh Rimmer. yeah hell yeah um i i was thinking giacchino at first just for the sheer accomplishment of, of combining mm-hmm. 20 years worth of themes into something new and original yeah but there, there are still moments though in that movie where the score is kind of general marvel mm-hmm. score that's why i couldn't luca is so singular absolutely amazing score it's it's moving and fun and bright and it's it's fantastic one of the best scores pixar's ever put out definitely best score since up i think yeah probably um so best adapted screenplay this one went to coda um at the at the oscars so let's move on to best adapted screenplay uh we have steven levinson for tick tick boom nick pizzolato for the guilty james gunn for the suicide squad jordan peele nia DaCosta, and win rosenfeld for Candyman. And David Lowry for The Green Knight. 
man, you can't really go wrong here. But um, uh, my gut instinct is for Tick, Tick, Boom because to be able to adapt a one-man rock opera um, into a unbelievably cinematic, like, epic adaptation but also biopic Mm -hmm. is insanely impressive to me like i i just can't get over how hard that movie was to accomplish not only that but for you to finish help finish one of his songs Mm -hmm. too that he never got to finish himself is just it's beautiful yeah it's really special that that movie the movie's always gonna hold a special place in my heart i i think that i just can't get over how difficult it must have been to adapt that into something cinematic and a biopic yeah definitely that's that's why uh, every reason you just said that's why Stephen Levinson's my my pick as well mm. um I I think that this is a landmark movie musical script um it's so much more than just a musical it's so much more than just a biopic it's it's a an expertly crafted story um, an expertly adapted story, and I, I absolutely love it. All right, let's move on to Best Original Screenplay. This one went to Kenneth Branagh for Belfast at the Oscars, his first win, and this guy's been making movies since the 90s. Yeah, I've always re- just thought of him as Academy Award winner Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. And I guess I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, I Belfast is one that missed, I missed also, and I want to mm-hmm. see it so badly. It looks so great. I have heard from, a, I haven't seen the movie, but generally what everyone has said on Twitter about this is that they gave this to him because they wanted to give him something because they wanted mm-hmm. to finally give him an Academy Award because apparently there's very little dialogue in this movie. Interesting. So a lot of people were pointing that out. I haven't seen it so I can't really speak on it. I'm just pointing out what people have said on Twitter. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Um, our nominees are going to be Edgar Wright and Christy Wilson Cairns for Last Night in Soho, Nicole Holf Center, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon for The Last Duel. Uh, Wes Anderson, Roman Coppola, Hugo Guinness, and Jason Schwartzman for The French Dispatch. Uh, Jesse Andrews, Enrico Casarosa, Simon Stevenson, Mike Jones, Julie Lynn, and Randall Green for Luca. And then Michael Sarnoski and Vanessa Block for Pig. Uh, it's really, like, obvious, isn't it? It's Last Duel. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like, one of the most impressive. Like, we, we do we spent, we have an hour and a half long podcast where we spend, I feel like, an hour of it talking about last duel uh deservedly so this movie's incredible and it's insane that they were able to craft this story from three different perspectives so so well Mm -hmm. yeah it's the whole movie rests on her shoulders it rests on on uh, so many people are pulling an insane amount of weight in this movie it's a very like damn near impossible movie to pull off successfully given Mm -hmm. the content definitely and and to to pull it off as like we said before these two hollywood elite white dudes Mm -hmm. along with a woman who i guarantee you was the driving force of this script 100 she there's no way it wasn't and to to accomplish what they accomplished with the subject matter of this movie and for us to love a movie as much as we do that has such tough Mm -hmm. subject matter it speaks volumes to that script um yeah absolutely amazing script uh, let's move on to best director this one went to jane campion for power of the dog um another one that i felt like probably was a career type of oscar that they gave out from everyone's reactions to it that i've seen yeah. again haven't seen power of the dog yet i hear good things i hear boring things it's uh it's a very divisive film it seems mm-hmm. like 
So. I, I'm just kind of, I haven't seen The Power of the Dog either, but I think most of it's because I'm just like tired of Jane Campion and her quotes and how she is about movies. And she's just comes across as very elitist and gotcha. very uh, uh, turning her nose up at, at reg- regular movies and mm. that kind of stuff. That's why I was kind of bummed to see that. Also, it was weird to just see someone other than Denis Villeneuve win that award when yeah. Denis won all the other the, that movie won all the other ones. Well, you remember why Denis didn't win, right? Oh, he didn't direct it. Nobody directed that Denis movie. Denis was not nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, yeah, because that, that, nobody directed it. They, exactly. Timothy showed up, Rebecca showed up, and and then they called Jason Momoa, and mm-hmm. they went out to the desert, and then Hans Zimmer just made an instrument, and then the movie ended. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the Oscars told me. It, it just happened. Yeah. So let's talk about our nominees. First off, we have Denis Villeneuve for Dune. We've got Guillermo del Toro for Nightmare Alley, Ridley Scott for The Last Duel, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Tick, Tick, Boom, and Michael Sarnowski for Pig. What a lineup. This is the absolute number one toughest category for me. I agree. Because I think del Toro made his best movie ever. I think Denis accomplished the unadaptable. Mm-hmm. I think Lynn made the most impressive movie musical debut as a director I've ever seen. I think Michael Sarnowski had maybe the best directorial debut I've ever seen with Pig. Um, and then Ridley Scott directed arguably the best movie of his career. Uh-huh. So Arguably the best movie of the year. This, this is a very, very tough category for me. Mm. But this is one I've got to go with my gut over. And the movie that I have revisited the most on this list is Dune. And uh-huh. Denis, like I said, he he is my favorite working director, so mm-hmm. I, I will admit I'm biased. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is his best movie. Blade Runner 2049 is his best movie. 100%. Um, I honestly, I think Prisoners is better than Dune. Dune is my third favorite uh, Denis Villeneuve movie, and I am still giving this award to Denis Villeneuve. That is how much I think he deserves it. And the fact that he was nominated, Dune was nominated for what, 10 Academy Awards? I think it was it 10 or 11. Something like yeah. that. And it won six, but then... <laughs> wasn't even nominated. Wasn't even nominated for Best Director. Yeah. It's it's shocking to me. I think he absolutely deserves it. He deserves it more than anyone else that directed a movie this year just for the sheer accomplishment of this movie from every other... It shows. It won in so many categories, and he was the one who was heading up this project that all of the people working for him won for. Mm. So to me, it just makes sense that Denis Villeneuve should win the Best Director Oscar. What, what What's your thoughts on that? I would go with Lin-Manuel Miranda for Tick, Tick, Boom. I think that for this to be a directorial debut, a film directorial debut, I know he directed Broadway plays and stuff, but it's a little bit different than directing a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and for it to be directed better than... Steven Spielberg's musical. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty crazy, dude. And not to mention the fact that I've watched the movie like 30 times. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, it's perfect. Like, it's perfectly crafted. It's perfectly adapted. It made me a huge Jonathan Larson fan. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to argue with it. It's one of the most impressive directorial debuts that has ever happened. It's one of the best musicals mm-hmm. ever. Definitely. And, and, and it's his first movie. It's just, it, it's... It's amazing to me. You could also, there's such an argument for Ridley Scott too. I mean, we just talked about like yeah. how all those things about how great the last duel is and Ridley Scott's the one heading all of that up. Mm-hmm. So you can totally make an argument for him too. 
I just had a thought of what do we what do we want to see Lindemann and Miranda do next as a director? How amazing would it be if Trey and Matt hired him to direct the Book of Mormon movie? Uh, that'd be crazy. Uh, I I just want him to adapt something else that I don't know. Yeah, because I didn't know Tick Tick Boom, and now I've seen it on YouTube. The, the I've watched the movie and his actual show on YouTube a whole bunch of times, and know everything about this man's life. So if he can do that again, then I mean he did it with Hamilton. <laughs> Alexander yeah. Hamilton's a household name now. Like he wasn't before. People, yeah, he was just like some dude that you read about in your history textbook in fourth grade once. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I I get it. I get why you chose him a hundred percent. So let's move on to the number one category, the best mm-hmm. picture. Uh, this one went to Coda. We've talked about that earlier, deservedly so. Yeah. Amazing movie, one of the best movies of the year. But here's some contenders that that also deserve to be in the mix. We've got Pig for best picture, Tick, Tick, Boom, The Last Duel, Last Night in Soho, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Green Knight, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Candyman, Luca, and Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. My best picture pick out of all of these, it's got to be the last duel. It's got to be the last duel. Um, it's it's to me, it's the most impressive out of all of these, just from a technical standpoint, from a story standpoint, from an acting standpoint. It's got every single thing that an Oscar best picture winner has, and it's also so much more than that Oscar formula that we were talking about before. This is this is the type of like true oscar winner like like braveheart was yeah like it's it's an instant historical classic that deserves to be watched it's a story that needs to be told and it's done just in an absolutely masterful way i i can't in good conscience give it to anything else other than the last duel for the sake of uh you already said the last duel so i'm going to talk about something else i do okay. agree with you that it is the, that the last duel should have won best picture i think that it is the the most well-crafted like cinematic experience uh from a filmmaking perspective that i saw all year yeah i do agree with you on that i'm gonna say Zack snyder's justice league all right i think that that movie is a miracle that it exists Mm -hmm. let alone that it's good let alone that it's Zack snyder's best movie let alone that it's maybe like it's in the top three dc films ever made yeah there's a lot of those it it, it's a miracle. Like it's just, it's amazing that this movie exists. It shouldn't exist, but it does because of the internet. And luckily HBO and Warner brothers got together and they let him finally finish this movie. Like they should have let him finish it in the first place. And he proved to, uh, everyone that shits all over his movies that if he's actually in charge and he actually gets to decide what happens, it's a masterpiece yeah i mean <laughs> Zack I'm, snyder's justice league is a masterpiece there's there's no denying that it's one of the greatest comic book movies ever made absolutely yeah i just I, I think i think it's i think it's amazing i think it's a miracle the movie exists and i think it's an even bigger miracle that is good yeah absolutely i mean you can't can't go wrong with any of the movies on on our best picture list they all deserve to be seen you should watch them uh as soon as you get the chance a couple other things that i just want to throw out some honorable mentions to uh i think vivo was an amazing animated movie that deserved to have a nomination over something like Mitchell's versus the machines. That was very run of the mill. Um, I think that nightmare alley could have had a nomination for best visual effects. Um, that had some of like the best practical effects I've seen in a movie in a long time. Um, and then I also want to take a moment to call out some, some newcomers that we saw this year in Hollywood. Um, 
Michael Sarnowski for Pig. I mean, yeah. this was this was a debut debut film. He wrote it and directed it. Um, blew me away. Rachel Zegler for West Side Story. Mm-hmm. First film she's ever done. First role in anything that isn't on the stage that she's ever done. And absolutely knocked it out of the park. Star making performance. Uh, we already talked about Lin Manuel Miranda as a director. Um, but let's talk about Cooper Hoffman and Alana Hyam. Yeah, leading, man. leading a movie, leading a Paul Thomas Anderson movie as both of their first features. And both of them like as if they've been acting their entire lives. It it was it was so impressive. Yeah. And that movie got some love at the Oscars. It didn't win anything. Mm-hmm. But how the two of them didn't get a nomination is just crazy to me. Well, it's probably due to the uh, discourse about like surrounding this movie. That's why it didn't get as many nominations. I guess it could be that. I mean, but think about think about the fact that there were so many other uh, other movies like Don't Look Up that had a fifty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like that was very divisive, and it got a bunch of nominations. So yeah. I don't know. There's no excuse for those two performances not getting nominated in my book. The the two of them mm-hmm. and Nicolas Cage. Those were ones I thought were <laughs> Rachel Ziegler didn't get nominated. Yeah. The, yeah. The, these were all things that I thought were for sure going to happen yeah. when I saw these movies, and I, then they just didn't. I thought Nicolas Cage was gonna win. I thought for yeah. sure he was gonna win an Oscar again, and yeah. he didn't get nominated. So yeah. like I don't I don't know what they're doing i do want to bring up real quick we didn't talk at all about documentary and i know and it a lot of people aren't talking about best documentary because that's what chris rock was presenting mm-hmm. whenever the slap happened so nobody's talking about this motherfucking quest love yeah won an academy award for his first time directing yeah and it's one of the best music documentaries and the be- it is the best concert documentary i've ever seen in my life man i need to watch it so bad i've almost started it so many times and i just haven't gotten around to it yet like better than the talking heads stop making sense. stop making sense wow okay the way that they've restored this footage i have chills right now thinking about this movie it's damn it's remarkable hell yeah i'm definitely gonna watch that um yeah, so that's it. That's our Oscar ceremony. Uh, I'm kind of amazed that we lined up on so many, but I yeah. think that that's a testament to how great those those winners were. Yeah. That we couldn't, we both had to. <laughs> we, they were undeniable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean that was that. I don't know about you. That was a lot of fun for me. I hope you guys had a lot of fun listening to it and got some new uh, new ideas of movies to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't got it yet, go watch Last Duel. I'm going to yeah. say it one more time. I might, I might say it at the end of every episode. <laughs> That's your the, new catchphrase. Yeah, go watch The Last Duel. <laughs> well, we want to thank you guys so much for stopping by. Be sure to come back next week because we have the first episode of the Recast cast coming out. Uh, we're going to recast The Goonies with modern day actors. Uh, talk about all sorts of film casting news and uh, really just talk about all things that have to do with actors and actresses. Be sure to tune into that whenever that gets posted here in just a little bit. In the meantime, make sure that you follow all of us online at You've Gotta See This Pod. Uh, make sure that you follow me at Brad underscore Film 6. Follow Blake at at Blake Robert Perry. And be sure to follow Careful for Spoilers at C4Spoilers for all of your entertainment needs. We will see you all next time around. <laughs>